0: My name is Adam, and right now I have Brian live in the studio right here on the local shakedown, Radio 1190, Boulder. I'm in the studio with Brian. Brian, how are you doing? Hey, I'm doing great. How are you? Uh, pretty well, pretty well. Awesome. So uh, how long have you been playing music in general? Probably since I was 11 years old, so that's like 12, 13 years now. A wee lad. I feel yes. Like, dang. Um, so what, what other projects besides this had you been in up to this point?
1: So uh, I was born in Houston, and I was in a post-rock band in Houston uh, when I was like 15. That's uh-huh. when I first started playing shows. I was playing bass in that band, mm-hmm. and then um, I kind of took a break when I got to college. I wasn't really like freshman year; I wasn't really playing too much music. Mm-hmm. Was that by choice or just
0: kind of? It was just
1: being in a dorm room. Yeah, definitely. Having not the best roommate. Yeah, yeah. I didn't totally really want to intervene or anything. Yeah. Um, and then sophomore year, I lived in a big house. We just partied all the time and mm-hmm. kind of took away from it. So junior year, I lived in a small place and. Mm-hmm. My roommate at that time, who was one of my good friends from high school, we mm-hmm. started doing an ambient project. Okay. We actually played it. We did a local shakedown here, oh, uh, probably like three or four years ago. Okay, do you uh, remember who was hosting at that time? Was it Bree? Uh, some lady. Yeah, yeah okay. she probably. she was trying to get us to to get onto Gold Rush. Oh, uh, this music festival we used to have, and we were really excited about it. But my bandmate uh, dropped the f bomb. Uh, Right off the bat in the interview (laughs) and kind of ruined that for us. Yeah, I feel. Um, So that project was called Everglades, and we played at the Fox a couple times. So that was my first time like diving into playing venues in boulder i played venues in houston but the venues oh. in boulder was kind of weird i wasn't really yeah totally
0: i was gonna it. ask what what experience was that like kind of being you know having this like sort of break in music and then you know getting getting a show like up here in boulder around this like community of people who maybe wasn't like too new but you right. know you know what i mean like oh it was it
1: was awesome we got mm-hmm. uh just kind of invited in with open arms yeah everyone was super nice to us The first show we played was opening for Nightmares on Wax at the Fox, which was kind of just like, wow, I'm in a band now, and, like, we already have our first show, and it's at the Fox, and we're getting paid. Like, this is awesome. (laughs) And then we did another show at the Fox with a band called Blue Sky Black Death, who Mm -hmm. didn't really accept us with open arms at that point. Oh, no. Was there anything
0: particular that happened? Like, Um,
1: They drank all of our beer backstage. No. Yeah, they raided the green room and took everything. Um,
0: But it was fun playing. Yeah. Uh, But then
1: I realized, like, venue music wasn't really what I wanted to go for. Yeah. Um so then I started Saylobi. Yeah. I didn't start it. I just kind of we all kind of started it, but yeah. it was more so um Jack and Oliver's project. Yeah, totally. And that was super fun playing house parties all the time. Yeah it was we great we had you guys in like wow, that must have been over
0: the summer, right?
1: Yeah, About it was almost a, it's almost a year ago. Yeah, we started the band over a year ago. Yeah. And then we played from February to the end of July. Dang. Which was a cool cool little run there
0: yeah definitely and then um kind of just wanted to branch out and do something different totally so yeah. how long have you do- been doing this specific project in general like so it, it seems like it's been like sort of overarching but um like nothing settled down or or was it like right after say ended you're like all right i'm gonna like buckle down and do this um
1: after say la Vie ended i kind of it being in say it was more so like complimenting what everyone else was playing mm-hmm. I didn't really have much creative decision, but I didn't really want it for that project mm-hmm. because the type of music that I listen to isn't really that type of music yes. but it was just fun to be in yeah totally and um it was actually I started doing this at the beginning of the year really that's when I dang <laughs> i uh I started working a job in mm-hmm. July and then I saved up money and I was like, I'm finally gonna buy a modular synth yeah like, it's something I've always seen as like something really cool yeah totally and I know a lot about synth stuff I used to play like back when I was like 14 or 15 I got my Mm -hmm. first synth and then being able to just buy it piece by piece and kind of build my own instrument yeah totally it's awesome that each person who builds a modular synth it's their own instrument no one else Mm -hmm. has the exact same thing yeah so it gives you so many possibilities, and the more research
0: you do, the more you can like tailor it to your interests, or you can kind of expand. Yeah, totally. Is that what you kind of went to to school to like sort of study? I forgot exactly what your major was.
1: But... I I studied physics, okay, but there's yeah. a
0: lot of crossover. Yeah, totally. Um, I loved
1: electricity and magnetism, studying about waves, and yeah, that's all this was. Yeah. Uh, initially, I wanted to do film scoring oh, as a major. Interesting. And I almost okay. went to CU Denver for that because um, mm-hmm. I used to. Have a. I used to have, like, a, I still have, I just don't play very much, but a, just, like, a pedal board with, like, three reverbs, three delays, and a yeah. volume pedal, yeah. and I was like, let's just see what
0: I can do with this. Yeah, destroy all amps.
1: Right, it, it just sounds like wall of noise. So. Yeah,
0: totally. Uh, so what drew you to that style of music? I know you mentioned that you had gotten a synth at a young age, mm-hmm. but was that something that it seems like you've always had, like, more of a knack for, like, slow, ambient stuff.
1: So. Yeah. Um. Well, growing up in Texas... I was introduced to, like, explosions in the sky, and mm-hmm. this will destroy you at a pretty young age. Like, yeah. Probably in, like, seventh grade. So wow. Like first time wow. I heard that music. And and then in high school, the very beginning of high school, I started listening to Animal Collective and Dan mm-hmm. Deacon, so I started getting a
0: more, like, lighthearted sense, still, like, kind of upbeat. Totally. Dan, De- Dan Deacon is just a... Uh I don't know. He's like a hallmark for anyone who's sort of like an electricity nerd or like oh, a Oh, absolutely. Synthetic.
1: I saw him last night at yeah. the marquee. and oh, it was, yeah. I uh, forgot. Fanta- it was the first time I'd ever seen him. And mm-hmm. the crowd control that that guy has yeah. is unbelievable. <laughs> he splits the crowd in two and he gets one person to like direct one part of the crowd doing dance moves and another person direct the other side oh, of the crowd amazing. and they just switch off. I've never seen anything like that. Yeah. So yeah. usually it'd be like kind of cheesy. It would kind of ruin the moment. Yeah. But totally. the way he did it was excellent.
0: I almost almost prefer those kind of shows uh, especially with like um, I think it was like a year ago I saw like Calm Trues and you know he just kind of got up there and did his thing and it was like sick but like you get you know I I appreciate when when, um, musicians sort of try and have more interaction with the crowd. Right,
1: right, exactly and with the stuff that I'm playing right now it's kind of hard to do that because it's mostly ambient kind of droney stuff Mm -hmm. so whenever I play stuff like this I like to bring a uh, projector yeah, and totally. just kind of have like I don't want the crowd to get bored mm-hmm. but I want them to let everything kind of sink in yeah so we just put crazy visuals behind me so they can yeah. just kind of focus on that and try to sync it up as much as possible
0: totally it seems like there's like a you're you're kind of taking your music like one step forward by like adding that visual aspect of right. it almost like as in some people are more um I, I'm Totally going off. It's like like they're more logically based and other people are more visually based. So sometimes right. if you need those kind of triggers, it like actually makes an experience more potent.
1: Right for yeah. yeah and it's something I haven't seen in Boulder in a little while. Totally. Um, especially being in Cela V, like there mm-hmm. was no need for visuals. It was we were the visuals. We yeah. had five people in the band just kind of screaming and totally drinking. <laughs> and now I want to do something a little more matured. Yeah. Um but where I take it in the future, I still have yet to decide. I still am very drawn to the Dan Deacon-esque kind of mm-hmm. childish music, and I'd like to
0: do something like that, but I want to keep
1: it as dynamic as possible. Definitely. Are I you have this instrument just to make whatever
0: I want. You know? Bringing it sort of to that instrument, so you, you said it was um, very similar, if not actually like a modular synth. So what what kind of goes into making your own If for anyone who's like so curious about that? The first investment is the case. Yeah.
1: And that's really when you decide how serious you want to get. If you want to get a big one, it's going to cost you more money, but in the end you'll have more equipment to to mess around with. Yeah, definitely. That's what I kind of decided. I was like, I'm going to buy one where I can put a lot of stuff in it and Mm -hmm. see what happens. And then I bought uh, just a regular voltage-controlled oscillator. Yeah. And I bought a low-frequency oscillator to um, kind of tune the yeah. other oscillator because it all has voltage controls yeah that's how it all works is you take voltage from one module you put it into another one to control it yeah definitely so in that set I really only had three sound sources I had a macro oscillator which was that had all the drums in it yeah and it had the crazy like wave table totally drone-y synth then I have another one that is an like an active sampler but mm-hmm. it also has delay and reverb on top of it oh that's so, I was so using convenient that to, to yeah. pitch shift yeah and it's fantastic for capturing those mm-hmm and turning them into more drony pieces. Yeah. And then for the light percussion, I was using my initial voltage-controlled oscillator that yeah. I bought. So it's pretty crazy where you can take it. Um, I mean, initially, I was just making, like, bleeps and bloops. Mm-hmm. Nothing was quantized or
0: anything. Would you say that it's like... Oh, man, I'm trying to think of exactly the definition of the term, but it's like... Would you say you're, you're dealing more with, like, subtractive synthesis or, like or additive synthesizing like I I, I don't get that technical yeah, with it. Um I'm, I tend to kind of forget how all that stuff works. Yeah, same. Um, I I I guess I just asked in case if like there is more. Right. Uh, yeah. But um still that's that's very interesting because um in terms of like that like if people r- could recognize, like, the Moog synthesizer, like, that's a lot of what it was is is just you had these three different modules that affected right. that you had to patch together with a drum sequencer module, you know? Right. So it's all just, like, it's all electricity, people. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. That's
1: all it is. And it, w- with the technology available today, like, you don't even need to buy an external drum machine. You mm-hmm. can get... You can put them all in your module, You're mm-hmm. all in your modular synth, and have um, a crazy gate system that'll... Yeah. You know every uh quarter it'll hit the hi-hat and then every half it'll hit the kick and yeah. every full it'll hit the snare totally um and I haven't quite decided if that's the way I want to go yet mm-hmm. because it at this point I've kind of branched away from making it all analog yeah but that was never really my goal at the beginning a lot of people are just like oh that's all analog right I'm like yeah. no not quite <laughs> I have one module that has like 50 different sounds in it and that's yeah definitely not
0: analog are you are you more particular about one or the other do you sort of side with one about like the warmth or the the, the sharpness i used to other? be
1: In in certain aspects i do yeah um i definitely prefer like an analog delay over a digital delay yeah same um but i mean they make some really good digital equipment out there nowadays yeah that's true. Uh, it's kind of crazy what people can do like with these modules, you can uh, do a firmware update. Mm-hmm. they are constantly releasing new software for all the digital-based ones. Yeah. And you hook one of those patch cords up to your computer's sound card. Okay. And then put it into the module. You yeah. play the sound, and then it updates it.
0: Wow, that's crazy. It's
1: unbelievable like, yeah. how far technology has come with it.
0: Yeah, because, I mean, I, essentially, at that point, you're like making your own... I mean, for the most part, I think, if I think I know what you're talking about, like making your own MIDI in, in right. general. So. Right,
1: exactly. And there's um, a lot of like DIY support with this too. There's Mm -hmm. people who are coming out with their own software packages that you can put on this so you can get rid of the stock sounds and go with someone else's. I mean, it's a little risky if you choose to do that. Yeah, totally. Um, but a a lot of this, a lot of people do, they build everything themselves. Yeah. You know, they'll, they'll get all the PCBs, all the panels. Yeah. Uh, the knobs and everything, and just kind of put it together, and that's how you save
0: money on it. Yeah, totally. I just have been very lazy <laughs> and uh, have been taking it very slowly. Yeah, so. well, it does sound like an arduous process because you don't want to you don't want to mess up and fry something out, you know, while you're building exactly. it. Exactly. So you kind of really have to know what you're doing, but still, you the aspect of having that much control about literally the se- like every bit of the sound that you're outputting is like, yeah, that's that's sick. it's it just feels
1: so powerful. Yeah, to have that all controlled I can get a very nice sound coming from my macro oscillator freeze it and Mm -hmm. just have something else pitch shifting that turning it into its own instrument and then take that other module and turn it into a kicked snare
0: totally yeah and
1: then I can take that and then layer it on top of what I've already done yeah change the other macro oscillator to maybe just like crazy sine wave for bass yeah and have like um, some other modules just using arpeggiated voltage yeah to control that and then you've got a song right there using like two or three modules dang
0: Wow. Yeah. So well, thank you so much for sharing like all that. Like I'm in, mean, I'm in particular, like I'm very interested in all, all of that kind of synthesizer stuff because um, just like a lot of classes here at TU right, offer right, that exactly. kind of stuff. So it's like really cool to see that applicable with someone who's using like a modular synth, because I feel like there is a different, there, there are definitely artists who do that, but most of the time when I see like a synth project, you know, they have their like cork and their Casio right. and stuff like that. So right. it's really cool.
1: And I, I, I have a lot of respect for all those keyboard manufacturers too, but this is, it's kind of like the same argument as like building your own computer. Yeah, totally. You know, you can put, you can choose to buy the Apple with like eight gigs of RAM in it, or you can build your own PC with 64 gigs of RAM if you want. You know, that's like with this, I know there are people who I've seen on Instagram who have like 15 oscillators. And oh it's my just gosh. it's just massive. Like yeah. it takes up a whole entire room. their Why studio. But it's, <laughs> That's so incredible. It's really it. It's a hole that you just get you get sucked into. Yeah. It's so like I spend a lot of my nights just looking at new stuff. Yeah, definitely. And I see the price tag and I'm like six hundred bucks for yeah. like a
0: step sequencer. Like, kind of want it. I don't <laughs> know if I'm gonna do it, but it it could be really cool. It's incredible that for something that like you know I, I've always been a, a big arguer against like definitely people need to make money, but music is an expensive hobby yeah, yet it like connects so many people. So it's, it's so, it's so rough, but I think that's what drives people like artists like you and, and others to like do their best to make it work on right. a budget and still produce something that is like, um, memorable to people. Right.
1: And I mean, I have, I mean, I'm only 23. I have no obligations in life yeah. except to go to work <laughs> that's it. Exactly. So I come home, just spend my money on this and, i've thought about getting into sound design doing yeah. that for a profession totally but at that like I, I just love doing it on my own time yeah when i have no deadlines or anything mm-hmm. i can just sit down put on like a vintage horror movie or something like yeah. that and just score it in that's, my mind is what i think would that's be so incru- what's your favorite horror movie right now um, to, like i've score. been watching the ghoul okay sick old one the body snatcher yeah is a Fantastic one And I actually just got A VHS copy Of Nosferatu Oh sick <laughs> And we've been using that For some of the video projections Yeah So we'll mix like Nos. F- so uh, for the video projections I actually built a mixer mm-hmm. It takes two um, VCR outputs Whoa And then it has Another output That goes straight To the projector yeah. You have to get An old projector Because yeah. you need A synchronizing signal Between all of your Video equipment Or else yeah. it'll just Cut the signal out Yeah So the older the projector The older it, Really the technology The better Mm-hmm. So I took a uh, an old guitar pedal case yeah. and I just put uh three composite outputs so those like yellow out of the yeah. red white and yellow two switches and a a knob uh-huh and I can fade between two VCRs and once I like set it right in the middle it starts to get super crazy it's
0: crazy yeah, yeah. cuz it starts getting a lot of a lot of that like wacky distortion uh, right? Where, like in the weird color phases that's that's really interesting because um uh, back at, at my house we just had like a broken VCR we like took the chassis off I guess for when you put the, the tape in so mm-hmm. it was just resting there so anytime you like walked by it it would move and for some reason how it's like r- how it was reading the VHS tape mm-hmm. it would like it would like distort it I, yeah. I was so it was very interesting I was just so like enamored by like how the mag- magnetic like you know tape is being affected just from the fact that it's moving yeah any um, like
1: perturbation yeah perturbation Perturbation. Yeah, I think to the to to the VCR just because it's all mechanical technology. Yeah, it's It's fascinating. So cool. Yeah, there's a website that I stumbled upon. Um, It's this guy named Carl Klomp who posts all of these schematics for um, video mixers or like uh, saturators. Uh All just homemade stuff. Super easy to make. None of it is. None of it requires active. Really, wow, like my video mixer doesn't have a single resistor, a single capacitor. I mean, I guess you could call the potentiometer resistor, yeah, but it's just switches, Mm -hmm. uh, like outputs, yeah, and a knob. Wow, it's just just mind blowing that that's how easy it is to get it to work. Yeah, that's nice. I feel like I I built that back in October, uh huh, and I feel like that's what kind of got me into like I need to go back and explore some electronics, yeah, totally, yeah. And then before I knew it. I was just like, I'm going to buy a modular synth. My friends were you like, okay, turn. let's see it. Yeah, man. go for it. <laughs> Look what I did today, you know? So
0: are you going to try and record any of this stuff? Try and put something out?
1: Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, I think I'm going to try to have a track on the next first bass yeah. compilation. Yeah. Um, right now I'm just trying to decide whether I want to make it just pounding drone or if yeah. I want to make it lighthearted. Totally. You know, um, because it's coming out like later in the year, or like I guess in a couple months, yeah, it's gonna be sunnier outside. So I'm kind of gonna tailor it to that feel totally. of like
0: late springtime. Yeah, you're know, yeah. going outside. Well, I'm very stoked for that. It looks like we are getting to the end of our time, though. Not to cut you off. I'm no, sorry no about worries. that. No, worries. But um, yeah, so uh, we'll look forward to your track coming out uh, hopefully at the next uh, FBT comp. Absolutely. And. Um, yeah, and are you playing any shows or trying to look for anything else? I reason?
1: would. I and mean, uh, the la- the first performance I did with this was at Made Life last Saturday, uh-huh. and I feel like it went really well because it was you know the whole art scene there. Yeah, totally. It's not quite house party music. No. <laughs> I haven't I haven't made it house party music yet. I'd like to do. You know, I'd like to make it as dynamic as possible. But yeah, definitely. I'm I'm just constantly looking for art spaces that are trying to have. Uh, weird curations
0: there. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, you know, playing in between people and stuff. Like a uh, syntax physics opera. Right. Yeah, right. Like, exactly. Yeah. I feel like that'd be a great place. Yeah, definitely. Well, for everyone listening right now, keep your eyes peeled uh, for Brian uh, in the future. Maybe you'll have a moniker then, maybe not. We'll Who see. Knows? Yeah, uh,
1: I've been trying to think of one. I just can't find yeah. the right thing. <laughs> totally. So if anyone
0: wants to call in and give me suggestions. Yeah, please call in at 303-492-1190. That's 303-492-1190 if you have a nickname for Brian's Music. But uh, other than that, thank you so much for coming in. It was thank an you for having experience. me. This was a pleasure. Yeah, as always. of course. Well, um, that was Brian right here on Radio 1190. Uh, coming up next, we're going to be playing a song by Beat Happening called Bury the Hammer. You're listening to Radio 1190's The Local Shakedown.
2: When they